Hallelujah. I'm just going to ask that the altar workers would come and stand in front here today because we're going to keep singing this. But we're going to give you a chance, if you need freedom from anything in your life, to come to these altar workers and just receive prayer. And if you're saying, I'm good, then I'm just going to ask you to drink in the Holy Spirit because He's here. Let me just pray and then release you to go with God. Father, any those that are here that are bound up who need your freedom who need your joy to get out of depression addictions fears and sadness god you said you sent your word to heal our diseases you came to set the captives free as we worship you today set us free in this place every person in jesus name amen if that's you as we sing freedom would you just come for any need so that jesus can set you free and if you say i'm good then let's get hungry for god this afternoon hallelujah there is freedom we worship you one more time and then who the sun sets free if you need prayer come on don't wait just come even right now as we sing who the sun sets free is free indeed who the sun sets free is free indeed no matter what you're going through Jesus is the answer today don't be shy come and let Jesus set you free. Jesus, come on, sing it again. Who the sun sets free. one more time who the sun sets free we worship you today God thank you Jesus every bondage broken right now Jesus come on just as we keep praying just worship and say freedom just sing it out freedom right now free be free in Jesus name be free in the name of Jesus 
freedom is yours. Freedom is yours. Receive it now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing it one more time with excitement, believing that all those who've re- prayed have received it. There's Come on, freedom. freedom. One last time if you need it today. Come quickly. For those that know they're free, whether you just got free or you've been free. Come on, sing it out. There is freedom. Thank you. There's freedom in your blood. Oh, One more time. There is freedom. Person set free. There's freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom in your blood. There's freedom. Thank you, God. There's freedom in your blood. Would you hold somebody's hand next to you if you can right now all across this place? Just hold somebody's hand. If you're praying at the front, keep praying. But we're just going to believe like a family as we're praying right now. That there is freedom like electricity going through every hand. That every person here is free. God, I thank you for every person you brought here today. I pray you bless them. Fill them with your power. Let your freedom wash over them from head to toe. God, let us live for you without any hindrance of the devil. Lord, we pray that even as we go back home, that we bring freedom to our families, to our jobs, that there is a deliverance through our testimonies. In just a few moments, we're going to have announcements about bring a friend on bring a friend day. Would you just pray right now for your neighbor that their friend would come? Would everybody just pray right now in agreement that somebody's friend will come next week? And they'll receive the same freedom that we are getting here today. Lord, we pray for salvation to come to families, to friends, to co-workers, neighbors. Let your salvation come, God. Lord, there needs to be more that know you. There's so many that don't know you who are suffering without you. Help us, God, to share this message of freedom. They need it, God. They're depending on us. I pray for boldness, that we won't be afraid, that won't be shy. To loose them, Satan, I command you to loose them and let them go. There'll be no hindrance. And that this time next week, our friends will be here receiving just what we have in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, can you shout hallelujah? Come on, amen. God bless you. Slap somebody high five and say it's done in Jesus' name. Come on, let's win a nation. Let's win a nation. Wow, you look handsome as ever. God bless you. You may be seated as you're shaking hands. How many feel Jesus in this place this morning? Amen. Thank you, good sir. Aren't you glad you're in a church that has freedom? There is freedom in the name of Jesus. 
You know, I've been having personal devotions for two hours a day for at least 16, almost almost 16 years, at least. You take 365 times 16. Let me just do it right now, just so you guys can get an understanding of this testimony of what I'm talking about. 365 days in a year times 16 years of serving the Lord on an average of two hours a day with Jesus. Anybody else love Jesus in this place? Can I tell you how many hours it is? That's 11,680 hours just hanging out with Jesus. But I want another moment with the king. I want another moment with Jesus. When I come to this service, it's already a second service for me. I'm still hungry for one more moment with Jesus. My friends, never take for granted what God is doing here. Never take for granted these services. Because I'm just going to ask you in the next few moments, we're just going to play the music again. And some of you who might have lost it in the shouting and all that, I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. And in your own way right now, just begin to say, God, touch my heart. Come on, let's go deeper with God. Go deeper with God. Don't forget that's why you came here. We came to meet with Jesus. There's no one like him. Just a few more moments as you're seated. No distractions. Focus on Jesus. There's freedom. There's freedom in your blood. Oh, thank you, Lord. There's freedom. There's freedom in your blood. Just a few more moments. How many can sense the presence of God? You know what I'm talking about. See, that's why we come to church. We come to church to experience that presence you just felt right there. So I want to encourage you to come every week hungry for the Lord. Amen. It's okay to shout. It's okay to cry. It's okay to run. It's okay to kneel. We are a church that wants to experience God. And we welcome you to our Sunday morning service every Sunday at 9 and 11. Glad that you all came out here today. We're not as weird as you may think. We're just in love with Jesus. We're in love with Jesus. That's all it is. If you loved him like I did, you would be weird like me. You would be weird. I remember the first time I was in church like this after I had gotten saved, and I started seeing people raise their hands, and I was like, oh, no, I ain't going to raise my hands. That's not me. There ain't no way I'm raising my hand because people are going to look at me. They're going to think I'm weird. Actually, in this church, if you don't raise your hands, you're weird. You know what I'm saying? You're the weird one anyways. So I was like, no, I ain't going to raise my hands. And then I just kind of closed my eyes. And, and I just felt the Lord say, do you remember what I did for you? Do you remember how I set you free? Do you remember what I did for you? Don't you want to tell me thank you? And I said, yeah, I want to tell you thank you. He said, then just tell me thank you right now. And I just raised up my hands and I said, thank you, Jesus. Now they said, he's a crazy one. But I became just as crazy as them because I realized we're just saying thank you. You know, when you go to a concert, it's just a reaction. You know, pump the fist, raise your hands at the game. Why is that such a reaction? Because in our human nature, we, we want to lift something up above ourselves. We want to give the impression that something is being lifted up. Our team is being lifted up. The band is being lifted up. But when we come to church, we're lifting up Jesus. Amen. 
So thank you for coming, not being ashamed to do that. Uh, we have a special service for you this Wednesday. We're going to be doing a costume party. It's going to be super duper exciting. Can everybody say super duper? Amen. And you know what happens if you don't come? You're a pooper. <laughs> Oh, just kidding, just kidding, half kid though, you know, so it's going to be super duper and we want you to be there so you're not a pooper, okay, because if you're not there, you're a party pooper, that's what I mean, okay, I'm not talking anything dirty, thank you, thank you, okay, I need all the help I can get, so this is it, I mean, it's all up there, it's a lot of stuff going on, it's going to be this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. It's going to be our Harvest Fest, costume party for the kids. If you guys don't want to dress up as your kids, let them dress up as themselves and come and have a good time, okay? So no pressure to dress up. Adults are welcome. There's going to be games, family activities, costume uh, prize giveaway. There's going to be other little uh, Bible card prize giveaway, um, gift card for the best Bible character. And then there's going to be other games and activities. I just want you all to come out and have fun. Does anybody like to have fun? Okay, that's right. Amen. We like to have fun. So come on out because we got a lot of cool stuff going on. And then the other one is bring a friend. Everybody go, cool. Amen. So second service, you guys are almost about half full right here today. We want to go all the way, okay? Second service is, uh, first service is about 80% full. This one's about 50% full. We want to believe God in this season of fall, we're going to fall in love with Jesus. So here's how we do it. We're going to tell our friends to come, and then we're going to invite them. And some of you are like, I, I, I don't know. If I can invite my friends, that's hard. Okay, I want you to do this really cool thing then. This is really simple. I got a ton of these. There's little stickers on the back. You peel it off. You can put this right on your friend's door like this. Bam. Everybody go, ooh. Isn't that cool right there? Or you can put it right on their car, like right where they like to pull up the handle. You can just put it right there, you know. And these are just invitations. I have tons of these. I've been, um, you know, going out with uh, Bob. We went out in my neighborhood. I did about 500 by myself. We bought 2,500 of these. They say our services website. Then on the back, it has all the little doodiddles. And then after they pull it from, you know, off their car or mailbox, where you can't put them in, but put them on the mailbox, after they take it off, they can reuse it, sticky, and they can put it right on their refrigerator. So they can go like this right here. Is that, is that going to be able to do it? Oh, isn't that something? They can put it right up there. So if you want to live, you know, like tell your friends about Jesus, then you could put it on their forehead. You could just walk up to them and go, dude, I got something really cool for you. I want you to come to church. And they're going to love that. Or you could try to, you know, you could try to like stick it behind their back. You know, it's like when they're walking, you put it on their back. And then there'll be a walking advertisement. Okay, does anybody want to do that? You just stick it on their back. That's okay. I'm just, I'm cheesy, I know, but I'm your pastor, and this is as good as it gets, okay? But uh, I want you guys to help invite people, because we want to see people go to heaven. Don't we want to see people go to heaven? I mean, this is not just like book reading time at the library. We actually believe there's a heaven and a hell at stake here. And the real cool thing, next Sunday, bring a friend day, free gift for all your friends. So they're going to, like, have the coolest gift ever. I'm, like, thinking about getting them B&Ws right now. It's going to be just awesome. Just tell them it's going to be awesome like that. No, I'm kidding, uh, Ferraris maybe or something. But we're going to give them a free gift. And then everybody, let me say everybody. Everybody's going to get candy treats. And then we're going to have a presentation. It is going to be better than Transformers, the Green Lantern. It's, it's just going to be amazing. We're going to open up the roof. Helicopter's going to come down. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're going to have motorcycle ramps in the service. It's going to be amazing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're going to share our testimonies. It's going to be so cool. And here's the idea. Bring a friend Sunday to meet our best friend, Jesus.
So this is going to be the whole deal. When you guys come here next week, it's going to be a shorter service. It's going to have a lot more excitement uh, than you're excited right now, right? It's going to be a lot more exciting than this right now, okay? Uh, And it's going to be really fun. Trust me, it will be. And then we're going to have people talk about how much they love Jesus and that Jesus can be their best friend too. I think it's going to touch people's heart. Last year when we did something similar to this, uh, we had people testify about all these different things in their life. And then at the end, we had them come up as prayer workers. And we said, anybody here has ever struggled in a marriage? Here's the couple that just testified about that. You can come right here. Any young person ever struggled with rebellion or getting in trouble? Here's some teenagers. You can come pray with them. And the altars were full. Amen. So we just want you guys to come out, have a good time, be excited, invite a friend. And that's what we were just praying for is that your friends would come. And this is the vision of Metro Praise. Can everybody say vision? Say it like you're okay, John. See, we are, we have a vision here. I lived in Orleans, baby, for like seven and a half years. So you got to have a little, like, we, 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 like a little Cajun. Okay. So everybody go vision. Okay. It's like cayenne pepper. Okay. And so vision is loving God, loving people. We're never going to stop that. Jesus said to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Excuse me. And to connect everyone to the cross. Can everybody say connect? Thank you. We believe in connecting you to the cross because the cross is worth your connection. Meaning, if you don't connect to the cross, what are you going to have in life? You're going to be without power. And the best way to connect to Jesus and get the power, you are a plug made to plug into his light socket. The best way to do that is at life groups. Does anybody love life groups? Can you fake it better that you love life groups and pretend that you really do? One, two, three. There you go. You love it here. You love it. I just love getting you guys excited. We don't want to be boring, do we? Do you want me to dress up like mother and have you call me father and then we go through this thing? Do you want me to feed you when you come here? Mm. Can you put up my Facebook for me? We have a tough crowd right now. We got a tough crowd, okay? Can you put up my Facebook? This is what I feel like sometimes as a pastor. Just take our time and get there. As he's doing it, I want you guys to understand life groups is where life happens. They're home Bible studies, places in people's homes where you share a meal together. You do a Bible study. You can get into people's lives. They can get into your life. Or you can just be really awkward and sit by yourself and not say anything. You can do all of that. But we are hoping that you're going to, like, fit in and find somebody that loves you and cares about you. And then when trouble time comes, you're going to ask for prayer. And then when you're going through something good and now somebody's going through something hard, you're going to pray for them. Now, I went to a petting zoo right here. Will will you uh, click on my picture right here? Because this is somehow sometimes what I feel like right here. Like I'm just a shepherd, you know what I'm saying? Now, this is me shepherding llamas, okay? This is me shepherding llamas. Now, will you click off of that? This is, this is just to make you laugh today. Yeah, do whatever we got to do. And I want to show you this other one with the sheep. And, and there's a funny story about the sheep. Go to my main page. The sheep was running from me. And I feel like that was like a symbolic thing. That sometimes the people run from me as a shepherd. But I finally got it. Now, by the way, this isn't a petting zoo with... The, the, the fence. And so I got permission to go over the fence. And so now I'm with the animals. And that's where you see me just spreading out there with the animals. Now go down or just uh, click on that one right there. And I think we'll let you switch. Yeah. Click on now. Hit the right button. Just uh, like the directional button. Hit right. Let's see. Yes. This is what I feel like sometimes right here. Feeding the sheep. And sometimes the sheep don't want to be fed. Sometimes it's hard. Look at your neighbor and just go. Bah. Just look at you. 
See, now you get the joke. It's okay. It took a little while. It took a little while. But this is what it feels like sometimes. Now, you can almost see me like holding the sheep like this. Like, you're going to like this. And you're going to like this a lot. But me, I'm smiling. Would you all stand up with me, please? We want you to connect to the church. Get involved in a life group. In that life group, we have a wonderful seven-step book of spiritual growth. After you've graduated that, we have a discipleship course that takes you through the Bible and teaches you the things of God. Do I have any 201 students here today? Come on, four or five of you. That's awesome. And then the last part, everybody say send. Thank you. We have been doing evangelism all throughout this city for seven years. And as you're standing, I want to share with you some of the testimonies that have been happening at evangelism on behalf of the people that have been there. We have right now a young uh, man, he's married, but a young man who accepted the Lord on behalf of them going out evangelizing and now comes to the Tuesday Wicker Park campus. You see, friends, when we go out and do just simple little things, as whether it's just putting a brochure out there, you know that uh, Jerry, who's a part of our church, found one of these on the floor, just on the floor. Somebody's like, ah, threw it on the floor, and God's like, I'll show you. You know, it's like, go ahead and just put it up. And she came to church. She's still part of the church. And so our vision is to love God, love people, connect you to the cross in a life group, teach you and mentor you up, to send you out to change the world. Why? Because we want to believe God for 100,000 disciples in this city with 50 churches and 500 around the world. And if you think that sounds crazy, how much more crazy do you think it sounded with my wife and I with four people in our living room, okay? It's actually starting to get a little believable now because we have 200 churches in four different nations and two now here in Chicago. And I believe God's to keep doing it but we have to have your help can you say amen and we have to have your help and this is what makes our church very unique is that we believe that tithes and offerings shouldn't be a burden but it should be a blessing how many get happy on payday do you smile on payday what about give day you get happy about give day you remember we talked about last week and what do we say uh yippity skippity is that what we said you know, happy snickerdoodles. What was the one snickerdoodles? I can't remember, but y- yippity skippity. You know, when we think about payday, we get all happy. We're like, oh, it's payday, it's payday. But when it's give day, we get all, oh, I have to give to church. Can we give today joyfully? Can we give today as if it was payday for the Lord? Because today's when we sow into his kingdom. There's three reasons why we give tithes to, to break off the heart of greed in our heart to store up treasures in heaven, and to see this world change down here. What you do makes a difference. Amen? believe that today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for everybody here today. I ask that you bless us as we give, Lord, to be a blessing. Bless our 200 churches around the world, and may they continue to grow and increase. And God, bless this economy today as we put you first. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Would you rejoice as you come forward and give? God bless you. You may be seated if you're not giving. Thank you. Would you all do me a favor and open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. 
want to talk today about faith and what faith is. We've been talking about it for the last three weeks. We're going to start a new series, by the way, after the Halloween outreach, uh, the Harvest Fest there. Uh, God has been leading me into different ideas. But this last month has not been a series, but just what God placed in my heart. And what message I felt was faith. Can everybody say faith? Amen. Faith is in the Greek pistis, and it means trust in God. So everybody say pistis. Now say trust in God. Thank you. Pistis means trust in God. Now when we talk about faith, what we're not talking about is wishful thinking. Remember we went over this. Wishful thinking is you wishing and hoping for things within your own ability. I'm not having faith in the lottery today. I suggest you don't either. Don't put faith in the lottery. You can hope and wish. Maybe somebody eventually does win, but that's not biblical faith. This is the idea of just wishing and hoping upon things that are in your own heart or desire that God has said nothing about. Another thing that faith is not is faith is not human ambition. Many times people come to church and they go, I'm good. Man, do you need to increase in faith? No, I'm good, man. I'm taking care of my family. I'm paying my bills. I'm good. And so they kind of think of like faith in the Bible, <clears throat> excuse me, is like a shot for the, the flu. Like, did you get your flu shot? Yeah, pff, I'm good. You got enough faith? I got that 10 years ago. I'm doing good. And so what human ambition leads to is this idea of we're going to work 90% of the way and be good. And then whenever we just struggle and we can't get, get it done, God's just going to come behind us and boost us. You know, faith is just going to be God's little help. Faith is not wishing. Faith is not human ambition. Steve Jobs created a great company without the Lord. Uh, of course, without God's ability in his mind, in the brain and talents, he couldn't have done anything. He couldn't have breathed. Um, but on his own, he did great, didn't he? Apple, something that's in the news media right now. How about countries? You know, countries can be great. China's a great country in the sense like great economy, great business. They don't acknowledge God, right? But what is the end of their life? What is the end? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now go to verse 6. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, please, my brother, it says, and without faith it's impossible to please God. So did Steve Jobs please the Lord? If he didn't have biblical faith, he didn't. Is China as a nation pleasing the Lord? Without biblical faith, they can't. Can you please the Lord without biblical faith? No. So you could say to yourself right now, Pastor, I'm not really needing to wish for anything. My life's pretty good. And whatever I need, I'm going to do on my own in my own human strength. And let me just say about your own human strength, God made you to be strong. That's made, you're made in the image of God. When you go up to heaven, Jesus is not going to look like the octopus, man. Jesus looks like us because we're made in his image. He was the first, we're the copy. And on down from there, the copies of the copies. Well, what you see is that right now, God wants to reward you on faith. But you're saying, God, I want to work really hard, and I want to do a lot of great things. God's saying, you can't please me by working hard. See, that kind of goes counterproductive to our thinking. Now you'll never meet a Christian or a true godly person that's lazy. But the idea is that your works only make a mess out of your life. Some people say, I'm a self-made man. No, really what you are is a self-made mess. And those who think they can do pretty good without faith haven't understood what faith really is. So the atheist or the unbeliever today that says, well, I'm doing pretty good without faith. 
I've raised my family. I've put my shoes on this morning. Didn't have to believe in God. I've gotten a great job, a great career in education. They think that faith is not needed in their life. And then those like us who come here, we're just plain make-believe. So you have faith for, uh, you know, maybe a miracle. You know, I'm still wearing glasses. We don't see it. Or you have faith for your lost loved one, uh, your, your sick loved one to get better. It doesn't get better. And then what do they say? Well, your faith doesn't do anything. It's no different than them just saying, I hope you get better or I wish you get better. And now what we see in this world is this idea of downplaying faith and lifting up rationalism. And we've come into a time which is called postmodernism. It's a time when we don't believe there's absolute truth. Everything is found in the materialistic world in our five senses, what we touch, taste, see, smell, and hear. And then everything is based upon materialism. And uh, pragmatism, which means like this, if I'm good at what I do, I get more material things. The value of my being is in the material things I possess. And so the way Christianity has been perceived by the world around us is faith is just make-believe for adults. And so if we were to ask a non-believer, why did you come to church today? Uh, Why didn't you come to church today? They would say, because I don't want to play make-believe. And so when you were raising your hands, you were singing, you're pulling out your Bible, it's no different than singing We Are uh, a Family or singing YMCA or going down to, uh, you know, to Disney World, opening up the book of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to a world that is rationalistic. It's all just got to be figured out in the mind. Materialistic, everything has got to be equated with what we see, touch, and feel. And everything is postmodern, just left up to the opinion. And pragmatism proves it right if it works, it must be right. If it doesn't work, it's wrong. You come to church today, and then I talk about faith, and you probably have some type of a middle knowledge of it. You're probably like, well, I, I don't want to go try walk on water like Peter did on Lake Michigan. But at the same time, I want to have some hope that my life can get better. Where does it all fit in? This is why it's important for us to learn faith. Because if we don't have it, we cannot please God. The man that says, I don't need faith in God, is not pleasing God. And one day, let me just share this with you, because scientists are finding this out even now, as they have spent their life looking into a microscope or to a telescope, they are finding out there is a a dead end to as far as they can go. And these are the two biggest questions. Where did life come from, and where did those things come from? Why is existence here, and why is life here? And those two things, now they've realized that they've had to make all of these ideas to replace God and say, well, multi-universes could have started our universes. Like how a mother gives birth to a child is how a universe gives birth to another universe. And all of the things can be eternal. But the problem that we have with that thinking today is that us putting our hope in the material universe as the answer to our purpose in life leads us to live like this. Let me demonstrate what this would be. I'm just a speck of dust on a speck of dust and an infinitesimal amount of specks of dust that is here just for a moment in time. And so when my life is over, I'm absolutely, it's meaningless. It counts for nothing. Think of it this way. Do you mourn the ant today that died on a hill? Do you mourn today the, uh, the, uh, the cerebellum or uh, uh, the cerebral, these little things? Uh, uh, um, I was looking at the flagellum, rather, the flagellum, uh, a little microbiology thing that they can track. It has a little engine. It goes and forms our cells, DNA. Uh, do you care about a flagellum today? Do you care about an ant? Do you care about any of these things? 
Do you care about just a minute cell somewhere in the universe? And yet in a world that we live in, world, that has billions and billions of life forms, in a universe that has over, we say, they think about 400 billion stars, uh, excuse me, a solar system has 400 billion stars, and then in a universe that's known that has over a billion galaxies, think of this, billion galaxies, each one of them have a 400, 500 billion stars, and all of these possible things that can go on. Do you think your life is meaningful without God? Now ask yourself this question, because that's the only option you have without faith, is naturalism. Without God, your life is absolutely meaningless. What does it matter? What does it matter? Who, what do you care about somebody in 1492? What do you care about somebody in the 7th century? What do you care about somebody 2,000 years ago? And now multiply that by eternal time going on without you. You will be totally not missed, forgotten. Your children, children, children will forget you. And if the universes keep on going the way they are, they'll keep going into heat, death, and exploding. Everything, even if we do intergalactic travels like Stargate and... And, and Star Trek, at the end of it all, this known reality and universe will go away. So now you have to understand the only other option, to believe in something metaphysical, beyond this physical realm, something that is not what we're going to see and to touch, something that I'm not going to be able to drink and taste or even to hear. Is there a power, is there a hope beyond the natural world? That's where God comes in. And then now when people say, well, I believe in God, you have Muslims, you have Hindus, you have all of these wide range of religions, everybody's going to stand up and say, this is what I believe, this is what I believe, this is what I believe. You have to now ask yourself the question, are they all the same? Am I worshiping, are you worshiping the same God that the Muslims are worshiping? Did he just give a revelation called the Quran to them but a Bible to you? Did he just happen to give the Book of Mormon to Joseph Smith and the Bhagavad Gita to the Hindus and we're all just in a spiritual buffet? As one Hindu proverb says it like this, we are looking at an elephant, or excuse me, we're touching an elephant blindly. Each person comes up to the elephant and touches something different. For example, you touch the bottom leg of the elephant, and, and somebody says, what are you touching? I'm touching a tree. Somebody touches the tusk. What are you touching? I'm touching a spear. Somebody touches the tail. What are you touching? I'm touching a rope. Somebody touches the, uh, the snout, the trunk. Is that the trunk, the little thing? Thank you. Touches the trunk and says, I'm touching a snake. People say about world religion, that's all it is. We're all just guessing at what we're touching. Oh, I think it's Jesus. I think it's Buddha. I think it's Muhammad. I think it's Joseph Smith. And we're all just touching the big elephant called God. Is that true, my friends? Can I tell you why it's not true? And why this example fails to explain what we consider divine reality. Number one, the people are blind. Take off the blindfold and they'll know what they're looking at. The Bible says we come into this world blind, but when Jesus Christ opens your eyes, you see the truth, you know it, and the truth sets you free, baby. Come on. So you know the moment your eyes are open, I'm not touching a, a tree, I'm not touching a spear, I'm not touching a snake, I'm touching an elephant. The moment you put Christ in the mix, Jesus stands out among the rest. 
They want Jesus to be a prophet among the Muslims, an enlightened one avatar in the Hindus, an enlightened one among the Buddhists, and the, the, the Jews are still waiting for a Christ-like figure. Yet Christ himself says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He said, anybody who comes another way is a thief and a robber. So once and for all, somebody stands up and says, this is the truth. Now, you and I have a choice today. Will we believe that? Hey. See, that's faith. See, I had to say all that to tell you why you need faith. Don't take it for granted, like, oh, I'm good, I got faith. Well, how much faith you got? Are you growing in your faith? Are you sharing your faith? This faith thing is a whole lot more than I just got a shot of faith. And it's not just I got faith, I'm wishing I'm winning the lottery. And it's not just faith, I'm going to work and try to make myself better. Faith is this. Faith, and we'll move up to verse 1, please, my brother. Faith is being certain of what we do not see and sure of what we hope for. And you know what faith is grounded in? The Word of God. Turn with me to Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Today, faith is coming to you. How is faith coming? By the word of God. Somebody say, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So today, faith is coming to you. Why? You're hearing the word of God. Well, pastor, I don't know if God spoke these words. That's up to you to believe it or not. I could try to prove it to you, but it's going to take faith for you to believe that the Bible is the word of God. You see, faith is going to be at the heart of everything you and I do. And if we don't grow in faith, you know what happens? Faith begins to die. We begin to lose faith. So if faith is not coming, that means faith is going. Think of it like that. Come on. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if I'm not hearing the word of God, faith's not coming. I've talked to people before. They said, man, I've lost my faith. Like as if faith was that set of keys, like you just flipped, you know, you know, you know, dropped it on the counter one day, you forgot where you put it. You don't lose faith accidentally. You walk away from faith. But here's the good news. You can get faith back. So let me encourage you today. Faith is trusting in God. It's not what you can do for yourself. It's putting your hope in the creator of the universe that gives your life purpose. God is the purpose of life. That's why I have hope while I live on this speck of dust called the earth, among all the other specks of dust called the Milky Way galaxy, among all the other specks of dust called my universe, among all the other specks of dust in the multi-universe. I believe I'm special because the Bible says I was made in the image of God and that God had a plan and a purpose. I was born in a body but was given a soul that will live on beyond this earth. You see, we believe this. People think we're crazy. We have faith. Why? Because God said it now somebody might say well how do i know god said it how do you know your bible is true most of you if i because i've done a debate with a muslim if i did a debate with an atheist here most of you would get rocked to your core trying to defend your bible uh, what would probably happen is you would start arguing in circles they would say how do you know your bible's the bible and you would say because the bible said so and then they, you, they would say well how do you know what the bible is what the Bible tells me it is. So the way you prove the Bible is with your Bible? Yeah. Well, then the same logic, how do I know I'm a millionaire? Well, because I say I'm a millionaire. What makes me a millionaire? Because I said I'm a millionaire. It's called a circular argument. 
To prove I'm a millionaire, you need to have evidence outside of my claims. Are you all tracking with me? I can say I'm a millionaire and say that proves I'm a millionaire, but that doesn't prove anything. I'm just making claims. I have to back up those claims. The Bible can say it's the Word of God and prove it's the Word of God by itself, but it has to give you evidence outside of itself to prove those claims. Everybody tracking with me right here. Otherwise, your Bible is just like the Book of Mormon. Why didn't you bring your Book of Mormon this morning? Why didn't you bring your Watchtower magazine? How come you didn't bring Scientology and Tom Cruise materials? Why, why did you try to choose a Christian church? You see, you have got to have evidence outside the Bible to show that the Bible is the Word of God. I could give you some, but that's not today's message. <laughs> but I would just say this to you today. For those of you who may just say, well, I'm, it's the word of God, it's the word of God, you know. Let me just say this with you today. Well, then would you honor it like it's the word of God? I want to tell you of a phenomenon that's in our culture right now. You know what it's called? A Christian atheist. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to tell you a phenomenon. Uh, a guy wrote a whole book on this. I love the idea. Listen to me. Christian atheist. You know what a Christian atheist is? Christian atheist believes in God, loves God, goes to church, reads his Bible, but doesn't believe in any of it, doesn't act like any of it's true, and does everything that he or she wants to do. They're a Christian by name and belief, but by life, everything they do is like an atheist. They pick the job they want. They have the wife or husband they want. They choose to decide their plan and purpose in life. They give money the way they want. They support ministry, uh, you know, charities the way they want. Everything is about me, myself, and I, which is the heart of atheism. But yet they come to church on Sunday and go, I believe in God. I raise my hands to the Lord. You see, God is looking for people that say, I believe who you are. And I believe what you said. Go back to Hebrews 11.1, 1, please. Now that you know faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Just as, this is just the introduction. Come on, somebody. Give me some time to preach to you today. Can I give you the introduction? Amen. This is just the introduction. I haven't even got to what I came to talk about. I just want you all to catch up to this. And the reason why I had to go deep on you guys is because that's what your coworkers are saying. That's what they're saying at universities. They're trying to look at us like we're nincompoops because we still believe God answers prayer. And I'm trying to help you understand there's a reason why God answers prayer. is because the known universe itself and the evidence of life comes from God. There's no other explanation. Nothing produces nothing. So where did the something come from? God is the only explanation. If you keep saying multi-universe, multi-universe, you eventually come back to something. Where did that something come from? And if it didn't come from a God, it had to come from nothing. I have the writings. I'll prove it to you. That's what they say. And that's where the Bible says the fool said in his heart, there is no God. Because if you believe nothing can create something, that is a foolish way of thinking. You have to believe in, in causality, in cause and effect. Things don't just come out of nothing. Otherwise, they would keep coming out of nothing right now. How many would like a, a circus clown to come out of nothing right now? How many would like a comedian to come out of nothing and make you smile right now? I don't know. Some of you just need G. How many would like a million dollars to come out of nothing, you know? Come on. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let me say this for everybody who got lost a little bit in what I'm saying. Here's why I said it. Because anyone who comes to God, number one, must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. There it is. Today, to start your walk of faith, here's how you start it. Do you believe in God? Do you believe he'll reward you if you seek him? And how does he reward us? How do we know how to seek him? Through his word. It's his word that gives us the promises. And brother, would you put up the, the chart here for me, please? I showed this to you last week, some of the issues that we face in life. And God gives us a word for all these situations in life. How many are happy God has a word for this? 
How many know there are certain things up here, most of them, if not all, could not be done on human ambition or simply wishing? How about this, sickness? How many know that there's, there's diseases that we still have not cured yet? But how many know God can still do it? We've seen people healed of cancer. We've seen people healed of lupus. And how about this? When you die, God gives you a resurrected body. Can you do that with science? No, you can't. So what do you have to do to receive heaven, my friends? You have to believe and trust God. How about the, the second one, a broken heart? Sometimes we think to ourselves, if I have an education, if I have a certain house that I live in, things will not go wrong in my life. You know all you need to do is just go talk to somebody that lives in that kind of house, and they'll tell you how messed up their life is. Yeah, see, some of y'all, y'all just hanging around with people, I guess, that are busting and disgusted because you get around somebody that God's son, they'll say, my life is messed up too. Just because I got a Ph.D. on the wall doesn't make my day any better. I mean, I was at somebody's house. It was a mansion, many bedrooms, tennis court in the backyard. Was there as a pastor hanging out. Always say the same thing. What can we pray with you about? What can we do to serve you and love you? Oh, the list was long. Oh, you think they would, you, you think they would just be like, oh, praise God, I got a tennis court in the backyard. Well, my life is fixed. My problems have gone away. Hello? See, only people who think things fix things are those who don't have those things. Go find the, you know, some, some teenagers say, the best thing we could ever do for you is get you to hang out with little Wayne, Lady Gaga for a day, and after you've puked three and four times and how they live and how disgusting it is, you'd walk away and go, these people are more jacked up than I am. I'd rather be saved, happy going to heaven with 50 cents in my pocket than to be having a million dollars all tore up from the floor of. I mean, you, you would say, somebody would say, well, I would love to be Steve Jobs. You would? He's in hell right now without Christ. He's in hell without Christ. He's the rich man of the Bible. He amassed his wealth. He denied God. He walked away from the Christian faith. And there's nobody that loves Apple more than me. I actually have a picture on my Apple phone of all my Apple babies. I got a picture of all my Apple products. And whenever I get into conversations about Apple, I put up the picture. And I don't put it up on the Internet because I know people hate. You know what I'm saying? They're going to hate on me because of all the Apple stuff I got. But listen to me. Don't hate. Celebrate. Amen? Okay, now listen, I love Apple, but I'm just telling you, I mean, Steve Jobs is brilliant, he used his mind, but without faith in God, he was empty, he was missing things in life. He himself even talked about this void. He walked around with a distrust. I, I want to get his biography, it's just about ready to come out, but you learn so many things about him that you realize he didn't have a sense of happiness more than you or I especially without Christ. Financial trouble. Why is it so many times we think to ourselves, if we have more money, we'll be happy? Okay, let's just see how this has worked out for us thus far, okay? Let's just take sizes of TVs, okay? So you once had a TV that was like this, like this, and weighed like 100 pounds, right? And you, you moved it, you would break your back. Now, how many of you got a TV bigger than this one, right, that I'm drawing out right here? How many got bigger one than that? How many got one 40 inches or more? Raise your hand. Come on. How many got one 50 inches or more? How about 60 inches or more? Pastor, tell him on himself, 65 inch, baby. Come on. I got the biggest TV. But listen to me. Guess what? I'm not any more happier with a 65 inch TV than I am watching something off my phone. See, materialism doesn't make us happy. You might say, well, why do we get it then? Well, we get it to fill certain things in our life with a balance knowing it can't fill other things. 
I'm not going to go throw away my TV. Somebody like, well, you should just give it away to me. Listen to me. I'm not trying to say just go live naked on a hill somewhere like some monk and just find inner peace and happiness. What I'm trying to say is without faith in God, just money will not make you happy. Scriptures for that. How about marriage problems? It's quiet. Some of you not married. And let me tell you why. That's for a reason. Some of you aren't ready to get married. Others of you, God has you in a place waiting to get married. So be encouraged. But there's two reasons why people are single. Seasons and reasons. I was single for eight years. You know why? Because of a whole lot of reasons. God said, I'm not giving you anybody else in your life. You can't even take care of yourself. I was mean-spirited. I would argue. I would just cause fights. I wasn't even to get along with. And God had to take that out of my life. And then there was a time when God said, you're ready now. And then he had me wait about another three years just in a season of trusting him. So all single people here, let me tell you, put your faith in God to get your spouse. Amen? Put your faith in God. Don't try to do this one on your own. Kids, don't try this at home. You will jack up your life, the other person's life, and your kid's life. Hello, anybody that's been married and divorced will tell you, don't try to do this on your own. Do it with faith in God. Now, how about marriages that are existing right now? I mean, I'm talking, I have the most perfect wife in the whole world. She is so awesome, but guess what? We still fight. There's still arguments. I was talking to my friend who was and is a pastor. You know what he said to me? He said, I had to take two weeks off and go work on myself. I said, what happened? He said, I told my wife I fell out of love with her. Pastor, a pastor told me he fell out of love with his wife. You think you can do this without God? How is culture done without God in marriage? How has that turned out? We're so jacked up now men want to marry men. Hey, let's keep it real. People want to marry men. And we always said this from the very beginning. They'll want to marry men. Then what will happen next is multiple wives. Polygamy is now right on the back of the homosexual movement. And I'm, I'm making the prediction it's already been made. You know what will come right on the back of that is incest between two adults that both uh, want to have marital relationship. And the last one will be li- uh, lowering the age of consent. Mark my words, it is happening exactly how a cultural falls down through sexual morality. Before you know it, will be the Roman Empire. People will be having little sex boys walking around with them. That's exactly what happened in Rome. It will happen here. God will not be mocked. As a country, a person will reap what they sow. Are you listening to me? But I love Boydstown. Amen. If you go bring them all here, I love them all. Amen. Because I'm in love with a man too. Amen. His name is Jesus. Amen. That's all right. I'm a bride this next time I get married. I'm the bride of Christ. Amen. So let's just get boys town up here. I'll sashay and I'll tell them something about loving a man because I love me some Jesus. Amen. I ain't afraid to kiss the king. Praise God. Hallelujah. Song of Solomon. Me and Jesus, baby. Me and Jesus. But we just keeping it PG. Amen. We just Holding hands. We just holding hands because Jesus, that's, that's just all Jesus and I do. He's good like that. You're all checking me. Are you listening to me? We get this idea of marriage. We need faith in God. Come on, worry and fear. My family right now, uh, just to talk about my own family, lives out in Hiawatha Park, beautiful suburban home, acres of yard. You know, And the reason why I bring this out, because I know so many times in the city, you know, we think about moving. My parents moved out into the suburbs. You know, so many times I'm, you know, we think to ourselves, I'm going to get a better life. I'm going to get this. I'm going to work really hard and it's, it's a little, as a little gerbil. And I'm going to work really hard in the rat race. And then, poof, 
I'm going to come out and be happy, and all my little kids are going to be happy, you know? So my dad, he moves out to Fort Wayne, Indiana, thinking, what possibly can go wrong with my kids in Fort Wayne, Indiana? Well, after me being arrested eight times for vandalizing my own neighborhood, breaking into my own friend's house, running away three times, and selling and doing drugs, they began to realize trouble follows you wherever you are if you want to get in trouble. So my dad, you know, he thought just bringing me out to Fort Wayne would fix my life. No, it jacked up my life. Not that he made a wrong decision. It's just because I wanted to get in trouble. So my family, going out uh, to the suburbs, guess what? Young man, phobias, won't even leave his house. Worry and fear. Do you know in our culture right now we have more phobias than ever before? Have you seen this on TV? collecting, you know, these people hoarding, people afraid to touch things. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I've dealt with fear. People, if you're honest, we've all dealt with some fears in a way. But let me tell you how we get through this. It's not Dr. Phil. It's not Prozac. It's hello, Dr. Jesus. Give me the word of God. Amen. Some of y'all don't believe that. Y'all haven't met any crazy people made sane by Jesus then. You need to meet some people that used to be on depression medication that now got set free. You need to meet some people that couldn't leave their house that got set free by Jesus Christ. There's actually a book out there by a Christian who used to have panic attacks. He wrote a whole book about it. If you're dealing with that, let me know. We'll get you some help because you know why? Jesus sets people free of mind, body, and soul. Amen. i got to tell some of the first service to hang over into the second service. Look at your neighbor and say, you better get with it right now. Because I'm going to make this a three-parter. <laughs> I'm going to get to really preach. You all need to get excited about Jesus. How many believe Jesus can set you free? It's, you're not amening for me today, friends. We're amening for Jesus Christ. We believe faith in God's Word changes lives. How about depression and anxiety? Hit on that. Addiction and bad habits. Do you know that the number one addiction program in America right now is Teen Challenge? It's a Christian-based program, 80% success rate. You know the best success rate that the other programs have? Uh, Dr. Drew, you see this on TV. All these other uh, drug rehabs, AA, you know what they have? 10 to 20%. 10 to 20% success rate. You know what Teen Challenge has? 80% success rate. You know why? It's one step to Jesus get set free. And once again, if you don't know anybody like that, let me bring you down to the Teen Challenge here in Chicago that came there on crack, heroin, all of these different addictions. And one step to Jesus, baby, set them free. 16 years clean for myself, praise God. I always say my mom was my drug rehab, amen. She was going to beat it out of me. She found it again. She gave me one more chance. She said, you do it again, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to send you to heaven right now. And I'll ask for forgiveness and then make another just like you. But you know what? My mom being serious with me helped me get saved and get right. Look at the next one, sins and temptation. Some people say I can be good without God. I can be good without God until we give them the good person test. And by the time we go through that, by the number one and two, they're already flunking. Let me give you the example. You think you could do good without God? Let's start with this one. Put nothing before the Lord your God. Has there ever been a time you put anything before God? Then we're failing. How about the second one? Put no graven in, image before me. Have you ever made an image and called it God? How about that Jesus that you said wouldn't send you to hell when you were having sex before marriage? My Jesus won't send me to hell. Your Jesus is an idol. He doesn't exist. How about number? How about the number three? When I don't know them in order right now, but you got to go with me. How about thou shall not covet? How are you doing on not coveting? You've tried really hard, but how are you doing? How about this one, young people? Obey your parents. 
How you doing with that one? What about this one? Do not lie. Do not steal. My friends, the list goes on, not just the Ten Commandments of the Bible. If you read through Jesus, the words that you speak, how you treat your neighbor, there's over 112 commandments in the New Testament alone. And guess what some of them are? Pray, fast, uh, tithe, give to the poor. How many of you think you need some faith to keep God's commandments? And then lastly, lack of purpose and motivation. Do you know that right now we are, uh, in our culture, the most educated we've ever been? We have more college graduates, more institute graduates, more higher education than we've ever had. Now, there's nations that are above us, beyond us, but I'm saying as America, we used to be mostly agricultural, blue-collar, most people working in factories, working in agricultural. You know right now we have so many people with degrees and college degrees, and guess where they're working? Starbucks. Nothing against Starbucks. But guess where they're working? department stores and you check them out like man you look like overqualified for this yeah i've got like two bachelors three masters and one phd and you you serving up you're a barista yeah i'm still finding my purpose why is it we have lost the ability for young people and older people to find purpose in life because it's all material because it's all material you see if you have faith in god and I like to show undercover bosses, you would enjoy being a, a, a garbage delivery person because you know God has a purpose greater than just dropping off garbage. You're making a difference in people's lives. You see, we lost the integrity of just being who God wanted us to be. We've made a, a, a culture of superstars out of reality TV where we feel like famous and materialism equals purpose in life. Now, just put a couple things in your mind together as I name off some characters, and you tell me if you think they're fulfilling their purpose. Do you think the Kardashians are fulfilling their purpose? Do you think God put the Kardashians on this planet to do what they do? Some of y'all getting mad. You're like, I'm going to be able to watch nothing when I go home today. Come on, how about the Jersey Shore? Come on. But, you know, it's popular for a reason. People are watching it. What about Katy Perry? Do you know that Katy Perry came from a Christian family saying worship just as these young ladies were singing right up here? Jessica Simpson, her dad was a pastor and she was in her dad's church singing. I could keep you all day with people that you might begin to start to think twice about. What about Oprah Winfrey? Oh, well, she was famous, but she didn't do any bad things, right? Well, you know, sex outside of marriage with, you know, with her dude, well, that's still okay. You know, maybe God will forgive that. But hold on. She didn't accept Christ because she said there's many ways. You begin to realize as you look into people's lives, just because they have a good life doesn't mean they fulfilled their purpose. What if God wanted Oprah Winfrey to be a pastor's wife or to be herself in ministry or Joyce Myers or whatever? What if that was her purpose? But she used her giftings to become something to make billions but yet missed heaven. What if Steve Jobs could have been like Al Green, who owns Hobby Lobby, billion-dollar business, takes off Sundays, has his company shut down, lives for the Lord, multi-billion-dollar company, and has given away over $100 million. Chick-fil-A is owned by Christians as well, Bible-believing Christians. What if God wanted Steve Jobs? You see, my friends, purpose comes by faith. Living for God comes by faith. Now, are you all ready for the message? Somebody say, preach it. Amen. Let's go to first, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, this is how it's going to work. How you amen and get excited is how fast this message will go. Amen? Okay, so let's have some fun right now. Let's learn God's word and enjoy it. 
chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need. Look at this, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Are you all ready for some encouragement today? Now, now, by the way, my messages sometimes are shorter than my introduction, so be encouraged if you've got somewhere to go. It's okay. But, but watch this right here. His divine power. The power of the universe? No. His divine The power of wealth? No. His, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. How many want a good life? God's power is going to give you everything you need. How many want godliness? How many want to live like God on this earth? How many are tired of people living like the devil, acting like the devil? How many want to live like God on this earth? Anybody? Look at the person next to you if they're not raising their hand. That's one you want to watch out for, okay? Okay. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. You could say through our faith, our trust of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Do you know why God wants to take care of you in this world? Because of his own glory and goodness. His name is at stake. You bear his name. If my child comes in here all boogie nose, dirty shirts and dirty clothes, my name is at stake. When you're living a life that's under the privilege of a child of God, when you're getting beat up by the devil, when the world is taking advantage of you, his name is at stake. His name, his glory, his goodness is behind blessing your life. He wants to bless your life. Now, his blessing may go be a mission. He may tell you go be a missionary in Africa and lay down your life like David Livingston, but you will be more happier doing that than if you would have made a billion dollars because God's way is always the best way. He sees the whole picture, friends. He knows what eternity looks like. See, you and I don't even know what heavenly rewards look like. We think that heavenly rewards is a way of the pastor bribing you to give more in the offering. God got a hundred. I got a hundred. God going to give you a mansion in the sky. Come on. Do I got a thousand? Do I got a thousand? Lord going to bless you with a Lamborghini in heaven. Come on. Do I got 10,000? Stand up, brother. Ooh, I feel Jesus. There's a, there's a good brother right there. We think that rewards in heaven is, is the preacher's way of manipulating you to give. Well, if you give in the offering, and you give right here, you'll go broke down here and you're going to lose a whole lot. But up in heaven, you're going to have treasures. You're going to have your own private lake and cottage. You're going to have a wave runner. You're going to be beautiful. Like we, we, we think it's like some type of a bribe. Like it's dirty. Like God is trying to manipulate us. Listen to what he said. He said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can decay. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. God is teaching us a principle that's real, my friends, that we will be there a lot longer than we're down here. We need to believe. He wants to bless us, and eternity is at stake. Verse 4, through these, through his glory and goodness, he has given us very great and precious promises. You know how many promises there are in your Bible? There's over a 1,000 promises in your Bible. You find any trouble in your life right now, I will find a promise in the Bible to meet that challenge. The Bible has set forth promises for you to hold on to in this world. You're saying, Pastor, my family's falling apart. Bible says in the book of Acts, you and your household will be saved. Pastor, I'm getting confused. I don't know what to do. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and he shall direct your paths. Pastor, I don't have enough to pay my bills. I'm struggling right now. The Bible says God will meet all your needs 
according to the riches of Christ Jesus in his glory. Pastor, right now I'm dealing with fear. I'm afraid. The Bible says do not receive the spirit of fear, but you have been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Praise God. Pastor, I feel lonely sometimes. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. Pastor, I know people who are lost. He said, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. He said through these, His glory and goodness, He has given us very great and precious promises. Why, Peter, did He do this for us? So through these precious promises, we might participate in the divine nature, escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God has a plan for you beyond the scope of the limitations of this human world. It's a plan to bless you and to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. He wants you to escape the the evil rat race down here by evil desires and the corruption that it brings he wants you to have peace love and joy and self-control these blessings by the fruit of the spirit and they're worth more than money and things in this world and i just want to encourage somebody today keep your faith keep your faith in god it's not wishing and it's not just trying to work to make yourself better faith is saying god you said it i believe even that settles it. Faith says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Faith says, though my mother and my father forsake me, you will never forsake me. Faith said, I have been old and now I've been young, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their descendants begging for bread. Faith said, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the sick say I am healed. Hallelujah. Faith says you can take off the garments of sorrow and put on a garment of praise. Faith says in his presence is the fullness of joy and at his right hand pleasures forevermore. Faith in God can move mountains. Hallelujah. Woo, come on somebody. Faith in God is the answer. It's, it's, it's not just a cliche. It's not just make-believe. It's not your human ambition. Faith is God's Word, and His Word will accomplish what He sent it out to do. He said, upon this earth you will have troubles, but be of good cheer. He said, because I have given you my joy, and the joy I have given you the world can't take away. He said, but when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on this earth? And it's times like this in our economy. It's times like this when colleges make us look ridiculous with our, uh, you know, faith. And they want to say we're irrational. It's times like this that a culture begins to turn its back on God. It's a time when abortion becomes normal and divorce and broken homes become the families. And where teenagers and violence get, re- you know, Bibles and prayer get replaced with gun detectors and violence. It's at this time a generation like us has to raise up and say we'll be people of faith again. We'll believe what God said again. I love what one preacher said back in the day. If loving Jesus is wrong, I don't want to be right. Come on, I don't want to be right in this world's mind. If they think I'm an old fundy, a fundamentalist, if they call me crazy, pain, make, blame, make believe. If I look as jacked up as them, I don't want to be like them. So if I got to be crazy in their mind to be healed, set free, and on fire for God, then let us, let them call us fools. Let them say all that. But the Bible says the cross of Jesus Christ, it confounds the wise. It confounds their wisdom because on that cross, Jesus died. 
died for us. He set the record straight. And that's the greatest promise that says you are forgiven and a child of God. Praise God. Come on. For through these, excuse me, he has given us very great and precious promises so that we may participate in this divine nature, escaping the corruption in the world caused by evil's desires. Now here's the passage for the message right here. Hang in with me, guys. Seven things I want to give you to add to your faith right here. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. How many want some faith in here? How many want to grow in faith? Amen. Come on. How many, how many want some mountain moving faith? Here's seven things to add to your faith so you can grow in faith. Goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. These are seven things that God wants you to add to your faith right now. This is where it's at. Here's where the rubber meets the road. If you want to walk out this faith and trust God, you got to let him make you good. You can't be good without God. The Bible says in Romans 3, there is none that is good. All of us have turned away. You know how I get to become a good father by God, by faith? My friends, there's not a better father in here. We got some good fathers in here, but there's not a better father than me. I love my kids so much. I will do anything for my kids. I'll beat you up and tell you how much I love my kids more than you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's so weird. My dad will beat up your dad. That's how cool he is. But I'm just saying, like, I love my kids. But I am so weak as a father without God. Good husbands need God. Good fathers need God. See, add to your faith goodness. God, make me good. Teach me your past. Show me my heart. And if there be any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. Oh, God. Psalms 51. Create in me a clean heart, God. Renew a right spirit within me. My friends, to be good in this life, you need God. Put your faith in his promises. He says he'll separate your sins as far as the east is from the west. He says whoever is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. He said he who became sin for us, uh, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Goodness comes from our good God. Number two, knowledge. My friends, you can't know what you don't know. And you don't know what you don't know. Come on, think about that. This thing, you can only know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. So there's so much here in the Bible you and I don't even know, and you don't know you're missing it. You know why? Because you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And that's why, you know, we talk about the rapture and all that. You don't know because you don't know, but you got to study to show yourself approved. Those promises should become as precious to you as, as the very treasures of your life, just so valuable. We can name our favorite songs, our favorite shows, our favorite sports, musicians. We should be able to name off these promises just as your preacher, your pastor was preaching. You should be able to name off those promises and say, I stand on these. I, I know that this is back in the 80s when I was in church with my parents. They would get these faith confessions. Some of you need to get a faith confession. It takes about five minutes to read, but it will get you so high on Jesus. You will not want to come down. I am the head and the tail. I'm a above and I mean you just need to wake up and put that in your coffee and drink it come on that will be your pep in your step knowledge number three self-control 
Our addictions, our bad habits, our eating, our spending, our lack of uh, emotional control, all of these things, God says he'll put it back in control. You ever been like me? You're fighting, you're arguing, and then you walk away from it. You say, man, I wish I could control my temper. I wish I could stop being this way. Some of you have that, that, that tendency to be depressed. Do you ever just say to yourself, man, I wish I could get out of this slump. I wish I could get control of these emotions. The Bible says he'll give you control. He'll give you control of that tongue that you can't control. He'll give you control over those emotions. You are in the driver's seat. You are a spirit that possesses a soul that lives in a body. Your spirit is the driver. Your soul is the engine. The body is the car. By the spirit, you drive the mind and what it thinks. You drive the emotions and the will. The Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says to be transformed in their thinking of your, in, in your mind by your thinking. That word transformed is the, is the Greek word metamorphosis to be metamorphosized, to be transformed like a transformer, to go from stinking thinking to praise and glory to God. Self-control, I wish we could get some faith for that in this church. How about perseverance? There are things in this world that will just punch you right in the gut and you will want to give up. There are things that will happen in your faith. I know unanswered prayers in my life. I lost my sister drinking and driving. I mean, I felt like that was an unanswered prayer and I wanted to give up. You know, and I watched my mom lose her daughter. Can we even imagine this right now? My mother losing her daughter, but you know what? She said around the sixth week, okay, she's grieving. Nothing wrong. Grieving is biblical. But around the sixth week, her grieving started to take her joy of living. And she said, God, I can't go on like this. I need you to take the pain. You said on the cross, you took it for me. You carried my sorrows. You were rejected and despised among men so that my healing was upon you. She said around the sixth week, she cried out to God, and God healed her. Didn't take away the memory. It's not that she won't cry from time to time, but took away that grief that was choking out her life. It's the power of God who brings perseverance, my friends, to go through things. You know that Chilean, uh, the people in the Chilean mine, they are all claiming it was a miracle of God that gave them the perseverance to be in a dark dungeon, losing their oxygen. Do you know that you can look at the Voice of the Martyrs? Go to voiceofthemartyrs.com. William Wimbrandt was in communist uh, Romania, was brought into Siberia, put into solitary confinement for four years in a cell without windows. They wouldn't let him sleep or rest during the day. They would splash cold water on him, put speakers into the solitary confinement to brainwash him. Your family has forsaken you. Your God is dead. Renounce your God and join communism for four years. But yet he found perseverance in the midst of that. Just like Daniel in the lion's den. William Wimbrandt wrote a song in the middle of this uh, Siberian solitary cell. The, the love of Jesus is warm in my heart like fire hot enough to melt the ice of Siberia. That was a verse he wrote in his heart because he knew that persevering came from God. All of these POWs, they found that the number one attribute of what keeps them through their time of imprisonment is their faith in God. You look at perseverance, godliness. How can we be like God without God? We need God to be in our lives, to be like him. The idea of this world is not to let the devil get as much of your life as he can and then God just cleans you up in the end. Like he just sees us as dirty children on a playground all throughout our life and he says, now you all just come up to heaven now. I'm going to scrub the dirt out your fingernails. God wants us to live as kings and priests upon this earth, as righteous men and women of God. We shouldn't be living in and out of sin as if it's common to the believer. We should be living holy lives. Be holy, for I am holy, he said. 
Godliness, faith in God, brotherly kindness. How many know you need faith to be kind to your brother? How many know you need some faith to love your neighbor like Jesus does? See, y'all may not have some crazy neighbors like I do, but I got some crazy neighbors. And I need some faith in God to love my neighbors, okay? Now, you might love everybody in traffic. You might be one of those, okay? But I live, you know, in the real world, and it's hard for me to love everybody, okay? I know I need faith in God. I'll tell you the story real quick. You know, we don't have a fence in my yard, very nice, you know, yard in, you know, Harwood Heights. And there's a little rock path that goes on the side of our house to the, to the lady's sidewalk. And so sidewalk, rock path, that's our little fence. That's our property division. So you know what she does? She puts a little, like, uh, little birdhouse on our side. And that's because she knows the owner of the house, and she thinks it's cute. And she's the one that walks down there all the time because it's on the side of the house. So Bethany, one day, she sees the little birdhouse, and guess what she does? She's a little two-year-old girl. I want to play with the birdhouse. And Nancy's letting her play with the birdhouse. Nancy doesn't even know that it's not our birdhouse because the owners of the house put all types of stuff in our landscape. Everybody tracking with me here. See, it gets messy. Somebody say messy. But I tell you, you need faith to love your neighbors, okay? And so this is my side, and I'm right, by the way, okay? And so... And so Nancy, Nancy's playing with the little birdhouse. The woman comes home, and she's like, I just don't want your, your daughter touching my birdhouse anymore. And then Nancy's like, sorry, I didn't know it was your birdhouse. She's like, yeah, it's my birdhouse, and I put it right here. And Nancy's like, yeah, but it's on our property, okay? So if you want your birdhouse on our property, you better let us touch your little birdhouse, okay? And then, rare, you never see Nancy like that, but then, rare, Nancy gets going, and she's just, rare, you like, burn the birdhouse. I don't know. So I come home. I come home, and I'm thinking I'm going to be like Bill Cosby. I'm like, hey, what's going on, ladies? Let me just separate you. Let's just take the birdhouse, go home. I love you. I love you. I'm the problem solver. So I come up in the middle of it. Within 30 seconds, she's screaming and cussing at me. And I'm like, yeah, really? Call the police then. I'm right here because she's going to call the police. And then I'm like, I pull out my camera. I'm going to get you on tape. And I got her on tape cussing me out. F you and your pastor. She's F flicking me off. And I'm like, I'm right here, lady. I'll body slam you. You know, and we're all about ready to go to jail. It's like y'all see me up on six o'clock news, all handcuffed. Pray for me. Bird will preach Sunday. See, I need faith to love my neighbor, man. I need a lot of faith. Okay, because I have crazy neighbors. And she's probably at her church right now going, pray for me. I got a crazy pastor neighbor touching my birdhouse all the time. How many know I'm right, though? Don't put your birdhouse on our property, right? Some of you. Right? You can't put your birdhouse on our property unless you're going to get it touched. You're going to touch your little birdhouse. You know what I'm saying? It's like people are crazy these days. Touch it. Just like look at it and touch it. But you know, I was convicted in last service. I was convicted. Little faith, little trickle, bubble, bubble, bubble. What's that? Oh, that's faith. Little trickle, trickle of faith came up, and guess what I felt the Lord say? Cook her a little pumpkin pie and put it on her porch, and God bless you. I'm serious. Who's giving me the awes back there? Somebody, God bless you. I'm trying, but I really felt that was from the Lord. How many know pumpkin pie can make everything all right? Just make it all right. Just put a little pumpkin pie. There you go. And then the last one, love. Would you all stand up with me, please, in closing? Band, would you come? Come on. We need some faith today, don't we? Y'all did good for uh, second service. Thank you. Sorry for teasing you at the beginning. I want to finish reading this because I think it will encourage you in your walk of faith. We need to increase in faith so that we can be productive on this earth. Look at what he says, continuing on. He says, for if you possess these qualities, 
in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To say it like this would be an easier way of saying it. You ever feel like your tires are spinning in your faith? You ever feel like sometimes your faith is not getting a lot done? Feel like a little disappointed? Well, we've all been there. Can I tell you what's going on? We're lacking some of these qualities. The title of today's message, I forgot to say it, I'll say it now, is the qualities of faith. Seven things. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. You possess them. You increase in them. It will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Look at verse 9. But if anyone does not have them, so if you're saying, I don't need this, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. So today, can I encourage you, look at this list as you go home and start to add to your faith. Think of it as a faith diet. You know, you need grains, you need, you know, dairy, you need your salts, you know, the oils. Think about this as being your faith pyramid, your, your faith diet for a healthy life of faith. And this will keep all of us from just spinning that wheel of faith and nothing happening. And keep going, my brother. Verse 10, please. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On the day you go to heaven, how many want a rich welcome? I want Jesus to say of all of us, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you say, Lord, what did I do? I just, I just put my faith in you. What did I really do? And God says, you know, when you put your faith in me, I changed your family. Here's a reward. Here's a rich reward for your family. You know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a jewel. It's going to be a big old jewel right on my crown. And, you're, and people are going to walk up and go, how would you get that jewel? I'm going to be like, because I loved my neighbor. I loved my, and I got rewarded for this. And then they're going to say, what's that big one? What's that big? This is me pastoring Metro Praise. This is me loving all these people right here. Woo, got a big old reward. Come on, and then you'll have a big one. What's that? Because I went to Metro Praise. It took some faith to go to that church. Can we believe God to do great things in our life? And that there is a reward for it. Amen. There's blessings here and to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us to, to this wonderful service on faith. Lord, increase our faith through your word, God. Let us all be encouraged to, to go for big things this week and to put our hope in your promises, God, and to add these things to our, our to-do list of life, God. And altar workers, would you come? As they're coming, this is why I wanted to do the, uh, the prayer of you know deliverance, freedom at the beginning. Because today, this is, this is a great altar call right here. Because as we close out and sing, please don't go. We'll, we'll leave right after we sing. But at this time, if you're just wanting to go big for God, and you want somebody to partner with you for some hopes and dreams and aspirations, they're going to come up here. So that as we sing, you can say, man, I want to get these qualities. Pray for me. Lord, I just release faith in this place. 
Lord, if there's any that need to add to those seven things in their life, let them feel free to come, to grow. None of us are perfect. We all need you more than we did yesterday. God, we need you so much more. Increase our faith, God. Band, would you sing? Don't go. Let's worship together. If you need prayer, would you just come quickly? For anything to see faith work a miracle in your life. Come on, faith is for you today. It's coming by the Word of God. words up here come Lord Jesus and come Lord Jesus let's sing it out won't you come won't you come Lord and Jesus Jesus come into this room us here today, God. Don't leave out the same way you came in. God has a better way. If you need prayer for anything, come. If you're here with your husband or wife, pray together. Children, pray with your family. Let's make a covenant to grow in our faith this season. Let's grow in faith together to trust God. We're not just a speck of dust. We're made in His image. We're souls, spirits, possessing these treasures, these earthly bodies of clay. They're temporary. Oh, but God will use us to do great things in this life. Great things. Great things to come. Come on, all who are thirsty. And all who are thirsty. All who are weak, would you come to the fountain? Dip your heart in the streams of life. Dip your hearts in the streams of Let the pain and the sorrow, let it be washed away. Come on, Jesus. Let it be washed away by the waves of His mercy. God loves us so much. As deep cries out to heart, deep, our heart is deep. The love of God is deep. Come on. Would you say it again? As deep cries out to deep. Come on, sing it again. As deep cries out. As my heart cries out, come on, my heart cries out to you, we sing, come Lord Jesus, we're going to sing it a few more times before we dismiss, it's not too late to come, Jesus is the answer today.
I believe it. I believe it. Let us come together and pray as the Bible says. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, thank you, God. One more time. Holy Spirit, come. And Holy Great Comforter of Heaven, my Paracletos, my Advocate. Lord, I thank you for today's service. Those who are praying, please keep praying. We're going to keep worshiping and praying, but we'll dismiss those who need to go. Father, thank you for bringing us here to hear a word on faith, to give us more faith, to increase in these qualities of faith so that we will be effective and productive for you. Bless us this week. May we live a life pleasing to you in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you bless the Lord today with me?